Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Little Left of Center, the podcast that interviews culture changers that are reshaping our world and breaking new ground. You ever get that gnawing feeling that maybe you're in the wrong job, maybe the wrong career, or maybe the right career, but you feel like there's so much more out there for you? Well, a worldwide 2017 Gallup poll states that 85% of people are unhappy with their work. 85%. My guest today is Mary Margaret Skelly. She spent 10 years as an executive recruiter placing C-level executives for Google, Silicon Valley. She worked on Wall Street and... What she quickly realized is that there was something sorely missing from every one of these candidates, and that was fulfillment. And Mary Margaret pivoted her own career and now is a career advisor specializing in marrying your purpose with your work. And we talked about bridging the gap, and she had great actionable advice to integrate intuition with logic and embrace a path that's far more fulfilling and rewarding. I know I have a lot of friends that have been waiting for me to publish this episode. But before we get to my chat with Mary Margaret, quick note that Press Play Podcasts, my podcast launch program, is open for registration. So if you've been thinking about starting your own podcast or simply looking to use your voice to share cool ideas you've been kicking around, I can help. Press Play Podcast is a step-by-step collaborative podcast launch program that takes you from concept to go live in just six weeks. Go to littleleftofcenter.co and click on Press Play Podcast to sign up for early bird pricing. I'm so excited to offer this program again. I have a broadcasting degree, so a lot of this feels really natural to me, but the benefit to you is that I cut out all the fluff guide you step-by-step, and make sure that you've got a great-sounding, compelling, and powerful platform to share your ideas. Once again, go to littleleftofcenter.co and hit Press Play Podcast and say yes. It'll be in the show notes. Also, I'm going to PodFest conference this weekend in Orlando, so who knows if I'll come back with a co-host or producers or a whole new format Stay tuned to my Instagram stories for updates for the latest. Now to my chat with Mary Margaret Skelly. We are here with Mary Margaret Skelly. She is a a career advisor who specializes in women and kind of marrying the professional purpose with more of a spiritual purpose. And you have a background as an executive recruiter for, you worked on Wall Street, you worked in Silicon Valley, worked for Google and placing C-level executives. And you'd reached your own point of, wait a minute, there's got to be more and women want more. So I'm grateful to have you on the podcast, but please say hello and introduce yourself. Let me know if I butchered any of your background, See, but I'd love to hear more. this is why I like talking to you because you're you're in Silicon Valley, essentially. So you get it. You understand yeah. um, that life. And um, you're exactly right. That was the best, uh, I think, most um, detail-oriented intro. So thank you. <laughs> um, that's exactly right. I spent about 10 years as an executive recruiter, which was really an amazing job in so many ways, not least of all because I got to meet so many people and interview so many people 
um, at really senior levels and understand what their lives were like and and their goals and and really talking to them at vulnerable times when they're considering uh, making huge career changes and taking on huge jobs. So I did that for about 10 years and you're exactly right. Now I work with women one-on-one and my goal is to inspire them to, to do the work they're meant to do and excel in it. And uh, I call it um, the corporate to artist spectrum. And I work with women who are on any any part of that spectrum from um, women entrenched in the corporate world and lawyers and um, executives and so forth to artists who uh, want to bring a more business-minded sort of focus. Yeah, so I see my mission as bridging the gap. I think we have to integrate the logic and intuition, the left and right brain, the intuitive, you know, and the linear. And I, I really think a lot of us are feeling the pressure right now to do that, to bring all of ourselves, the masculine and the feminine, to work. So my calendar has, has filled up quickly, which is really amazing because it's yeah. so fun to do. Well, I think you're tapping into something at an interesting time. And I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on what is it really like from your perspective as somebody who's kind of entrenched not only in these conversations, but probably in data and statistics for what is it like for women and working and burnout? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are a couple of, of studies that just come to mind, and this isn't women specifically, but a Gallup poll in 2017 that was worldwide found that 85% of people are unhappy at work, which is wow. Tragic. And then half of there was one study that showed that half of uh, Gen Z, which is the generation under me, left a job for mental health reasons. How many? Half. Wow. Yeah. And we don't know exactly the details, you know, that's self-reporting. And but but for some reason, they they did not feel mentally healthy at their jobs. And there, you know, there may be many reasons for that, not all related to, you know, what I do. But and then, um, you know, there's an article that comes to mind and I I can't remember where it was published, but just about the huge amount of women burning out before the age of 30, Mm. which is is what happened to me. And there are so many factors from just the external pressure that some of us just, you know, most of us sort of play into. But I think it affects all of us. But what happens for women, especially, I think we feel the burn sooner. And we know, you know, men are burning out too. And I have compassion for that as well. But the dominant principle at work in the American and, and global workplace is the masculine principle. And they get that is the linear principle that gets a lot of things done. And we all have it. And it's so valuable. And we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But we're missing this whole other half of us, which is our intuition, which is our ability to nurture. And I I don't, uh, historically that's been seen as weak, but I mean Mm. that in a really sophisticated sense of even nurturing talent and nurturing happier employees, more fulfilled employees who are gonna be more creative, nurturing our own creativity. Uh, I think we suffer from a lack of creativity and also working with our cyclical nature. So the feminine nature is cyclical, the, the masculine workplace is always nine to five. What do you Most mean cyclical us, for women? Well, quite literally, we have monthly cycles. That's what I was wondering. <laughs> and it's unintelligent and unevolved to me to ignore the fact that there are days out of the month when we're going to get more done. And for women to sort of reclaim that, you know, look, a couple days of the month, you're going to take it easy and that's fine. And then a couple days of the month, like you are... 10 times more productive than the guy next to you. Mm. So it's not about asking for concessions or, or that sort of thing. That's it's what just I was understanding wondering. how we work. Yeah. 
I, I mean, you know, on a good day, you can get so much done. And the next mm. day, you're, you're sort of always judging yourself by your most productive day and kind of feeling bad. Like, you know, you're you're in sales. Like, oh, that one day I made like 100 calls. Why can't I not do that every single day? Yeah. And so we, we hold ourselves to this sort of linear. We treat ourselves like machines and like widgets. And we've taken the humanity out of it. And I, I mean, we, we've seen... Um, across the board, across industries, people who are recognizing this and, and tackling it in various ways. So I have a lot of hope. Um, but I do I, I do want to be part of the conversation. And I think um, women have this, uh, just we are even more motivated to work in a totally different way. And it sounds so radical on the surface, but it's, in my view, common sense. So I wonder from your perspective, is it more of a systemic thing that needs to change or is it a grassroots, let's change, let's change it one woman at a time? Yeah. How do you move a community in this way? It's a really good question. And I think along with my theme of integration, it, it has to happen in both ways. So a lot of us, want systems to change and we wait around for permission and for organizations to change. And it may be someone's personal mission to Mm -hmm. kind of lead the charge for a systemic change. But I I don't want to discount how much power we have as individuals. I I think we could go at it from both angles. But I don't think the future of work is about necessarily even working less. It's not about time management. It's not about better, you know, necessarily better benefits being the, the cure for everything. I think it's about individual energy management and focus. We are in an age of, of obvious techno- technology overload. Yogi Bhajan, who brought the kind of yoga I do, Kundalini Yoga to the West, he called it infodementia. We literally can't handle the amount of information that's being thrown at us. Mm. Even if you decide, so you decide to go on, I always use this example, the paleo diet or the vegan diet. You can Google it and you will find definitive information backing up whatever you choose. (laughs) And what do you do with that? Because it sounds like, you know, science backs both up and anecdotal evidence backs both up. And my opinion is that this information overload is forcing us evolutionarily to tap into our intuition. Only you can know which diet is best for you, which job is best for you, which, you know, whatever. So I do, I I, I think that uh, we are being forced to evolve and a big part of this is energy management, clearing out the noise, clearing out the things that we're doing just because somebody else told us we had to do it. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. And from my own perspective, so I've been working at Salesforce for three years. And two years ago, I was in a spot where I went to Kelly Knight at Modern Mystic Mm -hmm. and I had a tarot reading. And I I told her, I'm like, I don't understand. I was like, I have a great job. I'm treated well. I have work-life balance. There's money in the bank. I'm not concerned that, you know, I don't know where the next meal is coming from. I've got a husband I love, kids that are happy. You know, why am I not fulfilled? Why am I not happy? Why isn't it enough? And one thing I've noticed my whole life is I've always done really well with a creative outlet, yet I don't really feel very creative. Maybe in certain ways, like this feels very natural to me, but like drawing an art or making something look pretty is not really my thing. So I I remember going to her and just going through this journey of just, why isn't it enough? Why can't it be enough? Why am I always dissonant? Why am I always irritated and frustrated? And it would just grow louder and louder and louder until I started this podcast. 
And like through times in my life, I've always found myself much happier when I've had a creative outlet. And at the same time, do I, sure, I would love to do this full time, but I really like money. <laughs> I yes. like what I do too. Yes. So how do you bridge the gap between, sure, I'd love to run off and be an artist, but right. but what about the money? Right. And why is the money so important to me? Right. I'll put myself in therapy while I've yeah. got you in, <laughs> on a couch <laughs> in, uh, in my husband's 12-year-old studio. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think creativity is the cure. And I think that's what's missing from a lot of our lives is we don't have the opportunity to create. And I love, you had a solo podcast and you were talking about how you almost wish you were like a singer or, you know, something that people could could grasp, you know, like, okay, she's this. And that's why I started my Archetypal Woman series, which comes out every Tuesday and profiles a different woman who has explored exactly what you just asked me about because the answers are going to be different for every single woman. But my aim is to show, is to spark inspiration and to show you ideas of how it might potentially look like for you. And so, you know, past women, women I've featured, one is a lawyer who also has an astrology consulting business for Fortune 500 corporations on the side. She's really cool. I'm so excited for the one coming up on Tuesday. She's a PhD in biosciences, works as a scientist in public health, yet she's been creating art that sells for like thousands of dollars on the side. Wow. Um, You know, which that, you know, to your question, I mean, that that it, it took her, I will say, it took her many, many years to get to that point. And so I do think for a lot of us, we do, we have the years of expo- exploration, mm. but money is very important. And that is a big part of my mission is for, you know, a lot of women come to me and they say, well, you know, especially in the artist side of the spectrum, it's not about making money. I don't need to make any money. And I challenge that because um, money is just energy. Mm-hmm. It, it gives us the things that we want to do and experience on this earth. And so it is very important. Not to mention people with money have the power and influence. And it's been in some pretty strange hands for the last you know thousands and thousands of years. So I'd love to see it in the hands of people who are conscious about how they're going about their work life. So I agree that it's very important. And when I work with women, very rarely do I... Um, suggest to them or ask them if it's time to to quit the day job because often what happens is we'll apply for another job or intellectually we'll say you know I should do this or I saw my friend go off and do this that must be the answer Mm. and that especially for women is rarely how it works Um, what happens is the, the the only way it happens is that it's unveiled step by step and so what I would say to somebody who feels completely stuck is is there a book that's calling you and you don't know why? Is there a class you want to take and you don't know why? Is there someone you want to meet for coffee? Is there an outfit you want to buy? You know, like start following the small intuitive hits because there's a lot There's a lot for us to, to kind of unravel in terms of our conditioning, in terms of what a successful work life looks like. And so it, it, it's a, it's, you know, it's an unveiling. Tell me and, more about the conditioning, if yeah. you will, because how do we recognize what is conditioning and what is us? Yeah, whatever is you is what makes you feel lighter and more expanded mm. and what just makes you feel calmer. Life isn't supposed to be such a grind or so hard. And I think some of us were put in extremes to see the grind, to really realize <laughs> that's not what it's about. I told this story earlier. I'm, I'm very close with my dad and, and he's an amazing person. And we laugh because he he had five kids. I'm the oldest. He used to get into work. He was a lawyer uh, at 3 a.m. every day. So he could be home at 5 p.m. 
you know, for the kids and then do a little work after that. And that was my model for what work looks like. That looks um, like a damn grind. It's a grind. It's, you know, and, and, you know, to a certain extent, that's a personal, you know, he's a workaholic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to another extent, it's like he kind of was just doing what needed to be done to get the job done in a really, you know, in a really good way. He cared a lot about it. And it's not so different. That's an extreme, but that's sort of the expectations, you know, in, in, in modern business. And I think from an early age, and, and I want to be careful about this because, again, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The discipline and endurance that we learn from things we had to do as kids, you mm-hmm. know, I was on the swim team and, you know, I didn't want to be on the swim team necessarily, but I look back and I'm grateful for what I learned. But early on, we're just taught to shut down our feelings about things. And that's, again, it's a dance, but we're sort of shown what's important. And school is all about getting a good job so you can be successful. There was a study done uh, with elementary school children and in kindergarten, whoever was, you know, I forget the details, but whoever was um, putting the study on asked kindergartners, who in here is an artist? And everyone raised their hand. Mm-hmm. Have you heard? Uh, mm-hmm. Have you heard this? And then it goes up. You know, in the second grade, half the class, and then in the sixth grade, like two shy people. And I think part of that is, you know, first of all, kids realize like if I call myself an artist, if I'm putting myself out there in that way, it's like I'm bragging. So I'm just going to shut that down. And then that's just kind of a microcosm for what happens, you know, for the rest of your life. To call yourself an artist, I mean, that's a huge. In our culture, it's like, well, is it any good? Or, you know, I could do that and that kind of thing. So, but I love what you bring up about the creativity because you don't have to be a literal artist with a paintbrush in your hand. Um, You just have to create something. And for some people, that could be like a better time management system in the Mm -hmm. law firm or, you know, a better, um, you know, hourly tracking your time, your timesheet, that kind of thing. So it doesn't have to be so literal. And I think that's where we've gotten tripped up as well. I remember when I was 12 years old and... I remember going to my mother and saying, uh, and just crying and saying, Mom, I'm not good at anything. I wasn't good at sports. I didn't really care about sports. A lot of the friends were were interested in a lot of things that I was in. And I just felt like I never had any kind of aptitude for anything. And it has haunted me my entire life. And finding my voice, you know, like when I got into college and, and had my first voice and diction class and got on the radio everything, every light in my body lit up. And I was grateful for that. But I also know there are people that aren't necessarily inclined to create or feel very stuck. And I'm wondering how much of that is a devaluing of themselves as a female. Like how much of it is esteem based? Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I just got a flash of my, my, he's now passed, but my grandfather was um, in the Arizona state legislature and he was, (laughs) he was the most consistently furthest right voting um, legislator in Arizona. (laughs) And so I can just like seeing through his eyes, like me, you know, even now to talk about like, lean into your feminine side and you it know sounds it sounds so fluid it sounds, how do you like I'm trying to figure yeah. out how do I how do I rationalize well, it something like so fluid what's well, like we're in a yurt like in Big Sur you know but I want yeah. to take this conversation like an esoteric kind I, of thing yes yeah. exactly and I want to take this conversation out of those circles because mm-hmm. I, I just think it's 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 in- intelligent I mean I, I really I do and you're right that it does sound fluid and that's exactly right because it's not linear mm-hmm. it, and and that has been devalued um, to our detriment 
but we've been trained really to uh, be afraid of that because it it will result in change. <laughs> if you listen to that voice, you know, your life will change and you won't maybe necessarily be keeping up with the Joneses in the same way. And, you know, we could go into like the anthropology of all that and then, you know, you're, you're doing something different from the tribe or we could go into like the witch trials, which w- were so much worse than what we've been told. I mean, it was any woman who, you know, gave her kid an herb for the cold or sang while she was walking. This was some weird stuff. And I think history has been told in a different way, but that was only like 500 years ago. And that's deep in our DNA mm-hmm. that if you break from convention you, exactly yeah. something very bad is going to happen so that's real uh, and today it's social media trolling you know um, or cancel culture you know we see people make a mis- misstep or, or say the wrong thing so it is necessarily fluid and it's going to take us somewhere that we haven't been before and we're afraid of that but don't you think that, like, to me, when, when I'm hearing that, that sounds exciting. It sounds like the adventure, yes. you know, of following. And and one of the things that Kelly Knight, through a tarot reading, she had somehow, through asking one question, was very similar to what you said, but I was I was probably borderline in, in with an eating disorder mm-hmm. or some kind of, like, unbelievable grips of obsession in prepping food and making sure I didn't get fat and working out, wake up at 4.30 in the morning, I still do, and go to the gym and everything was, I cannot get fat, I Mm -hmm. cannot lose control. And I was miserable and like weighing every every piece of food that went in my mouth and trying to make sure it was balanced so I didn't blow up. Yeah. And it, yeah, I knew it was irrational. And she asked me one question and she said, what if you replace the time that you take prepping food away from your kids, stressed out, getting up early in the morning at the gym, lifting weights and stuff you don't really love to do? You know, what if you just replace that with, a walk on the belt line or something that felt nourishing. Yes. It was just that one question unraveled years and years of all of that. Wow. Uh, of just, okay, but it took a second to let go. Yes. It, it, and it took a, a second to realize the worst was not going to happen and kind of come into my own of just trying new things. And now I'm, I'm addicted to new things, you know, yeah. like just trying to explore. And, and one thing I'm interested to know from you is it sounds nice, like just try something new, right. you know, just, just create. And there is a journey of one step at a time. Yes. How do you advise women to give themselves grace Mm-hmm. That if they take that dance class, if they take that art class, or if they take, I don't know, like go to some session yeah. and it's not the right one. Oh, it's it's painful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I should be here by now. I should be happier by now. My goal is to, not, is to help fewer women get to that point of complete burnout because when you're there, it's like, triage, like, you know, you're, you're flat on your back. Like you just, you, you kind of have to, it's almost like, bankruptcy for your mm-hmm. life and and that's sort of what happened to me what happened to you um i i had a number of autoimmune disorders and so i, I couldn't work for about a year mm. and so i had a lot of time to to think about these things and do you think that was burnout related i think there i am not of the school of thought that says disease is totally emotional there was a physical reason behind it but the emotions of course i mean the 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 misalignment I think um, people who are quite sensitive have, it's the blessing of the curse that if you're not doing the thing you need to do, your body will rebel. 
and it's happening to more and more of us. Mm. But that that happened to me. I thought I need a creative outlet. So I went to one of these um, paint on pottery places mm-hmm. <laughs> and I ended up not even picking up my stuff. I was like, that was so useless. <laughs> <laughs> Did you really think it was useless like, oh, or just it, in the moment? It was it was useless. It yeah. was not the right thing. Yeah. But, you know, during that time, you, you have to come at these things from all angles. I wish there was an easy answer. And this is why, you know, I work with women for a longer mm-hmm. amount of time. Um, at the same time, I started eating really healthy and I think that is so foundational for people because you start to discern like okay this is something that doesn't give me energy and this does and I think what's even healthier is to like relax about that after a period of time Mm. but it's such an entryway for a lot of women to, to to realize like wait a thing that I am doing is affecting how I feel which seems obvious after you do it for a while but when you're in that achieve mode from high school up to, you know, however many years you can kind of sustain that, um, you're not checking in with yourself to see how things uh, are, you know, are giving you energy or not. So I'm trying the paint on pottery. I'm, I'm eating more healthfully. And then a really weird thing happened. When I was home, I, I had, I moved in with my dad. I was living on his couch and I started cooking. Awful. It was awful. <laughs> I know my, my friends are getting married, buying houses, all of this, you know, and so it was rough. But I started cooking dinner for my dad every night and taking care of the dog. And it was very strange because I was like, this feels good. It feels good to take care of people around me. In many ways, I'd been so selfish for so mm. many years because it was all about achievement. And that was like the first inkling of like, okay, should I, like, does this mean I should nanny? Like, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. Um, All of these things happened in tandem. And I did a lot of reading, which I think, you know, we can get stuck in just reading the books and not actually doing the thing. But but there is benefit in just like soaking in other people's more elevated ideas. So I did a lot of reading. And then, you know, I finally found, there were some false starts, but I finally found Kundalini Yoga. Tell us more about Kundalini Yoga, what it is. Yeah, it's four things. It's breath, mantra, meditation, and then physical yoga. So, you know, speaking of coming at things from all angles, like it really works you out on all levels, mind, body, spirit. And what it did for me is really profoundly clear out the the conditioning. Like I think it would have taken me decades longer had I not had this practice that was, I don't know how it works, were you I really fully open to it or were you resistant at any point? Well, I needed something to work. Deep so programming I was, is a yes. big, big word, yeah. you know, when you're yeah. thinking about, okay, this is the paradigm that I know and live in. What if all of it is bullshit? Oh, in some ways, I was lucky that it got so bad, though, that I was willing to disrupt mm. everything. Mm-hmm. I, I had gone to 30 doctors and specialists mm. around the country And I I told this story earlier today, and it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go public with it, which is that I found a book called Medical Medium. I've heard about this. He's is this the celery guy? He's the celery guy, but he's so much more. He's got, you know, he's gotten famous for that. But his most, you know, and sort of an aside, but he says that autoimmune is actually a virus and you can get rid of it. Mm. And whether it was the placebo effect or not, I don't care because this guy had something for me. But after that, there's disillusionment with, wait, why didn't the why did the system, you know, not the individual doctors who meant so so well mm-hmm. but why didn't they have the research why didn't they have the tools to help and i actually think that goes back to my main message which is that we're missing something here 50 percent of americans have a chronic illness one in ten is on an antidepressant one in three of us will get cancer what we've done 
has not been working. Somebody, everybody knows an alcoholic or a drug addict. Things are dire and it's not the time. The things that we have tried are not working. We see it in all of our institutions. So while we've been afraid of change, we, we don't have we don't have much to lose and we have a lot to gain if we sit back. And, you know, medicine is just one obvious example of where a little less hubris, a little less financial incentive mm. backing certain research studies, a little more of that feminine uh, nurturing to step back and say, are we really serving people? And that's actually a true masculine trait as well. When I think of like the, the elevated masculine, I think of like a tribal elder who's Mm -hmm. wise and who is concerned with balance and making, you know, understanding that everything has a ripple effect. So, I mean, that's really, that's an integrated look, you could say. That's, that's not neither masculine nor feminine. It's both. I love how you put that. And one of the things I've been thinking about was, is productivity. And from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we are scheduled to hell. And we leave no time at all. And I'm a huge offender of this to process anything that happened, let alone all the shit that's thrown out at at you that you just don't have time to process. And I'm assuming that's probably what manifests in your body in terms of disease and things that, that aren't working well. And I'm wondering, people are in this mindset, and I am one of those people too, that I am. I feel like if I'm not working on something, if I'm not moving something forward, I'm lazy and I am useless. And not useless, but I am, I am, I am wasting the opportunity of having this life, of having whatever gifts and talents I have. Yeah. So I know, I'm assuming, because I've talked to a lot of people that maybe feel the same way. I feel like I'm not alone. Yes. What? How do you guide women like me to unravel from that? Or is there a value in that? We have to be pioneers in a way because we're, we're not going to get a ton of um, support from the traditional environments. I believe that because I've had an experience that, that, you know, the being versus doing can have an impact. And so I, I do think women and all people have to have an experience before they can really be convinced that it's okay to not be going, going, going. And the experience that I've had is that if I take a weekend and go to a Kundalini yoga immersion, or I get up a few minutes early and do a meditation, things just start to solve themselves. And I can focus so quickly. I can be so productive in an hour. Something that would have taken me all day I, I'm so clear that I can get I can get things done quickly. We have to be productive. We want to move forward. We want to create new things. And really, though, we, we can't work any harder. How much harder can people work? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm patriotic about Americans. We're hard workers, and I like that because I think we want to work. We want to be productive. We want to be creative. We want to contribute something. But we have to manage our energy. And so the clients that I work with, and the majority of them do, who have a regular meditation and or yoga practice, I think it's important to have both the physical practice and then the, the meditation practice. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they can just become, they become so much, like I said, focused and clear. But then I, it's hard to believe until you have an experience of it, but things just start to fall away. Like BS that you, you spend your time on during the day falls away. And you also, because you are more clear yourself, you start to identify where you're wasting your energy. Like this friend is calling who won't solve her own problem. And I usually listen to her for a half an hour at night. But that's not a good use of my time. So Mm. I'm either going to tell her that, you know, or I'm just not going to take the call because it's not serving either of us. And it's actually the kind thing to do. Or 
I don't need to go to that family obligation because those family members actually aren't interested in evolving at all. And I'm going to be polite, but I don't actually need to spend my time around these basically energy drains who are stopping you from doing the things you need to do in the world for your benefit and the benefit of others. Or I clean my house, you know, all day on Saturday. Why don't I invest in a house cleaner? And these are metaphorical because we can't all, you know, it's going to be different for every person. But a few minutes of meditation every day and these things start to become really clear and you see what is just completely wasting your time. Uh, You'll like this one. What I see, I, I used to see this in corporations and I am embarrassed to say I used to be a part of it. But anytime a corporation rolls out a new system, like a new Salesforce, you know, tracking system, I mean, how much energy do people lose by complaining about it or complaining that they have to learn a new mm-hmm. thing or it's not a perfect fit? I mean, that's just, that's one example, but that's an energy drain that's taking you away from your life. And if you just took an afternoon and learned how to work the system and then never talked about it again, there are a million ways that we're wasting time and using the feminine to set aside time to get clear, to take a deep breath, to to quickly identify those things. You can cut out like half the things you're wasting time on. It sounds like you're reorganizing your life to make it easier to invite the feminine, to invite the intuition, to honor the intuition that you probably feel but stuff down anyway. Is that, yes. would you say that's probably fair? I think that's exactly right. And I'm arguing that it's going to make us more evolved rather than, you know, sitting around wasting time navel gazing mm. that really that's actually going to help us solve the immense problems that we're facing as a society right now. Yeah. So I'm wondering what are some practical, you've been kind of peppering these through, but what are some practical tips that you can give women to maybe start on this journey? Yeah. Just Allow it to be messy. It might take a hot second. What does messy look like? Like trying a pottery class, it's a total waste of your time. (laughs) (laughs) I've taken a class. um, I I took a course on interior design because I like looking at it. And I was like this blows. I suck at it. I'm totally not interested. I'm just plain not interested. So I had to kind of chalk it up as, okay, I know I'm not this. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the value of, I don't need to go down this path. And there is value in that. Yeah. You know, try something. It was an expensive value. Well, yeah, that's the problem. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I mean, we're so privileged to even be able to have this conversation and to be able to explore some of these things. Um, But, but that's why I think even more we have to, so that we can go out and have positive, make positive contributions to society and and so forth. Hang on that for a minute. Tell me about what happens because I've heard you talk in a podcast before and I thought it was really profound of not necessarily leaving your job Mm -hmm. but how can you be a better contributor by having yourself intact whole and being able to to kind of reframe the the experience of being in a job that you may or may not love but you before before you Mary Margaret yeah didn't feel happy with yeah yeah, this is where the I get the hate mail because um, bring it on. There is an element where you have to be extremely aware of how you're contributing to your own misery, and in some ways, it's not your fault because you were never taught anything better, and you found yourself. You know, let's just like it's not always a cubicle, but that's the metaphor. You know, yeah. you found yourself in a cubicle with a demanding, unreasonable boss and annoying coworkers, whatever. Like that, you know, that's like the template. It's really taking a, tough, a hard look at yourself. Like, where am I complaining? And I'm not saying your boss isn't unreasonable. I mean, we've got a ton of like basically damaged people out there who are your bosses, and it's you know, it can be a real circus. And yeah, that's okay. Like that's just human life, and that's fine. And there's dysfunction in every single workplace, and that's just life, and that's fine. Um, but I, but if you can flip it and you can say, 
How am I going to elevate the person in front of me? I'm t- I, my argument is that's how you're going to find satisfaction. If you if you start frantically job searching, there is a risk that you will recreate the, the exact same situation. Mm, tell me why. Um, mostly because we do create situations out of our own patterns and we can turn mm. and even the nicest person, you know, into, you know, if we've got, if we have that pattern running, like, you know, that, that my boss is extremely demanding and usually it's like, you know, I'm playing an armchair psychologist now, but usually it's like some version of your parents, you know, and if, huh. if you, if you are recreating that, you're not going to escape it unless you you just drop it and you drop the pattern. And what what better time to do that than exactly where you're sitting? And so it's it's really, you know, Einstein said a problem can't be solved at the level at which it was created. And so the whole game is really about elevation. And that's why I'm, I'm just so uh, big on meditation is you just get bigger than the problem. Like you're, you're big enough to handle your workplace. You have more power than you think. I, there are, yes, there are hierarchies and yes, your boss is in charge of certain things. But on that feminine, intuitive, subtle level, level your energy can shift an entire room and i'm not necessarily talking about a positive attitude which can be like annoying and and grating what i'm talking about is you know (laughs) right like a misplaced positive attitude what i'm talking about is grace and knowing just your own power to i keep using the word elevate it's the only word i think that really encompasses it but you know you can be working at a call center and everyone you're talking to you're you're elevating their experience. You can be a cash a cashier, and of course, you know then you have a real a really good chance to elevate that person's experience. A lawyer, a salesperson, like anyone you deal with, you can improve their day. Everyone, you know, every job has its value. And if you stop looking at it as what has this job done for me lately, but like what can I do for my environment? I'm just saying it's going to be a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. And so if you're stuck at a place, I mean, there are. There are times when you have to declare bankruptcy and say, like, I've got to take care of my health or I'm going to, you know, explode if I have to be here one more day. There are consequences to that. I mean, you're declaring bankruptcy, so you better be really sure. And then I think there's like a middle level where, listen, this is not my ultimate and highest destiny, (laughs) but I can I can do a B plus job for a while. I can do what the company needs me to do and I can explore these other things. But then, you know, some people take a good hard look at themselves and realize, like, look, it's just this one boss or it's this one person I'm mm-hmm. managing and I can, I'm can, i big enough where I can get bigger than this personal dynamic. I can work this out and I can move on and I can have a really good experience where I am. That's such a powerful place to be. It really gives you your power back. I mean, on the one hand, it's like, why do I have to figure everything out? Why is it my responsibility? But on the other hand, it's like, I have all the power. When I was in my late 20s, I took this seminar. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Landmark Forum. Yes. But I took Landmark Forum when I was like 22. And they have these ongoing seminars as graduates of Landmark Forum. And I went to one when I was like in my late 20s. And it changed everything. And there was this woman who was Belgium, so Belgian, so she had this cool French accent. So the way she said things, I remembered because she would repeat it. And the the whole concept of the seminar was about brain science, and that your brain only only repeats patterns that it's known before. So if you find yourself in the same relationship, different person. Yes, and how many of us have done that? Yes, or even abusive relationships over and over and over again in different faces. And the way she positioned it is that if it is a fight or flight thing, you're not present, your brain just takes over. And if it is a repetitive repeating pattern, it's your brain just does that on its own. 
the only time that you are present is when you're creating. That's beautiful. And I agree. I agree. Oh my God. It was so life changing to me. So understanding of that, just keep creating, just find ways to create is the key to everything. Wouldn't you think? It really, really is. I have a a good friend and she and I joke because she was on the sell side of advertising and she reached her limit and she was like, this is it. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing in the world. I'm going to go to the buy side of advertising. (laughs) Like that's the most creative thing she could think of at the time because she just couldn't imagine like, well, I'm an advertiser. Like I couldn't possibly do anything else. Now she's a Reiki healer in Los Angeles. So she totally, you know. Um, went a different route. But that's what I mean. It got messy for her in that, you know, she tried the thing that her intellectual mind was like, this will be better. And by the way, this is all you could ever hope for because you chose this advertising route. You know, there's nothing else out there. But, you know, she just kind of stumbled along and then finally, and it, it, it doesn't, if you have a family, it, you have to be creative. But I also argue that that, that that gives you a little bit more purpose. I don't see that as a handicap when you mm-hmm. have responsibilities. Uh, you know, she was at a time in her life where she could play around a little bit more. But again, we, we all have our different like roadblocks and parameters to play with. But that is what I would invite everyone to do is just see them as like, OK, these, this is my particular set of skills that I got in this video game. And these are the roadblocks. And let's just let's just navigate it. There's no one right way to go through life but what I think a lot of us are feeling right now is like there must be something more yes I hear that and feel that from everyone yeah especially when I think about my mom friends so I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a mom of two kids and when we get together and almost every one of them is like I like my job but I know there's more yes why don't I like and I, I don't even know if they're tapping into it but there's like this internal frustration or this mm-hmm. scratching of saying I know there's more yes and I wonder as somebody who, who has kind of taken that scratching and said let me just try new things and figure out something else because I could not I right. couldn't right like the pain of staying still was way greater than the pain of trying something new yes when you're working with somebody what does it look like mm-hmm. for you to work with somebody because now you're doing one-on-one yes and I understand that you've got several facets to your practice or to your offering I don't know if it is through kundalini yoga that you work with others, but tell me more about the model that you work within. Yeah, it looks so different for every woman. And it's in a way, it's like no sudden moves because the internal work has to be done first. Mm. And really, the That's women- That's really profound. Yeah. <laughs> no sudden moves because the internal work has to be done first. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? You, you got a tarot reading, so we can talk about this. But there is something to who you attract. And I will say that the women who come to work with me to date have had a very strong spiritual practice. And by very strong, I mean, look, we're all like stumbling along. Like they try and do a meditation every day. And, you know, maybe some days they, they get in more. Or they catch a class when they can or go to retreats. But they're, they're into this thing and they make such quick leaps it's like and i will say too like i am not i i sometimes catch myself i'll say the word help but it that's not really what it's about it's a transmission of i have organized my life in a certain way that is a little bit different and it's very freeing and expansive 
And by even just having a one-on-one conversation with you, I something is being transmitted through me to you so that you'll solve the problem on your own. <laughs> and, and that's what happens is that, I mean, it's really like holding space and asking the right questions because mm. my feeling is that everybody knows inside what they have to do, but it has been buried under years and years of conditioning. And so exactly what happened with you in that tarot reading. You ask Mm -hmm. one question and the whole facade crumbles because you just hadn't really thought about it in that way before. And that's, that's generally, you know, that that's generally what happens and it tends to happen pretty quickly. And that may be because women come to me like right when they're about to do something big, Mm. but they need a little bit of permission. First of all, I can organize things in a way that, that just makes things become very clear. And so the next steps become clear for them. And then it's like, I give them permission. What do you think is holding women back? A fear of a few things. The first is very real, and that's the stability, which we've been taught to value above all else. And it is very important, especially once you have kids, a, a certain level of stability. And this work, it, it does take kind of diving into the unknown. And this may not be PC, but I think finding the right partner helps so much both for, for, for both people in the in the relationship but to have the right partner, partner like romantic romantic partner partner, or yeah co- romantic coach, partner right. yeah there's an alchemy that happens in the right romantic relationship where the, the two can support each other and you know one might provide the stability and muscle mm-hmm. through for a few years and the other can explore a little bit more I think we're seeing and again I think this is sort of like a, more of a pressure than a choice but with millennials too it's like well buying a house seems sort of out of the question. So I might as well travel and like take my time with this whole family thing and just explore a little bit more. So, you know, I think th- my generation's lives have been for better or worse set up in a way where we can explore a, a little bit more. But there's still th- there's that fear of the lack of stability, which is, you know, it's very understandable, especially because our, our systems aren't necessarily set up to provide any kind of safety net. So look, it's it's legitimate. And we have to we do have to you know, it's sometimes it can be we're leading a bit of a double life while we work that out, but there's an end in sight and, and, and there are time limits you can give and there, you know, you can use that linear business savvy to set goals and say, well, I'm going to try this, you know, side business or whatever it is, or we're going to decide we don't need the big house or, or whatever it is. So, I mean, it's coming at it from all angles, but I do think, and I, illness is a great catalyst for, for you know, mm. reprioritizing. Let's not get to the illness part. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. If you I can know. kind of cut yourself before that. Yeah. How do people contribute to your mission? Great question. Thank you. Go to my website at marymargaretskelly.com and subscribe so that they get the Archetypal Woman series every week because I'm profiling women who are doing amazing things and we can support you their mission as well. You need to put that in a well. podcast. Thank you. It's coming. <laughs> Is it it's coming? Yeah. Yeah. These women are doing incredible things. Yeah. And I think it's so inspiring. And I always include how you can help their mission. Mm. But for me, this is just the beginning. I want to reach more people in 2020 through um, group and, and digital offerings. So stay tuned. Follow me on Instagram at, at Mary Margaret Skelly as well. Is Mary Margaret like the most Catholic name? <laughs> is that it's a two it names? Well, I was saying I'm so happy to be Where in Atlanta. Were you born? Where were you born? Because people people think I'm from the, the south. south. Yeah, right. no, I was born in in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, it's, yes, to a very Catholic father, which is where that came from. <laughs> My husband is straight up Irish. I you love know, it. You got Irish it. Catholic. So, 
Um, but we don't have double names here. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I understand. Well, Mary Margaret, thank you so much for being my guest. You were so helpful. I can't wait for my audience to hear this. And um, I'm going to link everything in the show notes. Um, so we'll have that. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, I feel like Mary Margaret hit the nail on the head with so many topics. We spend so much of our waking hours at work. Wouldn't it be something to feel like you could bring your whole self to work, like your entire self, and feel like it was fully valued? I have all of her information in the show notes. I certainly hope you check her out and maybe look into it for yourself. As for Little Left of Center, I am exploding with new content. You may notice if you see me or follow me on social media. New perspective-shifting interviews coming up. New round of Press Play Podcasts, my launch program for new podcasters, where the registration is now open. New blog called Little Left Letter is about to launch, and I've linked it all in the show notes. But above all, I hope you share these episodes and rate and review the show. It really helps other people find me. Culture changing only works when the ideas are shared. So please keep sharing. Thanks for listening and have a great week.